Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today, as we're kind of getting close to the end of summer here, we got a couple weeks left. I know my school will begin on September 8th. Uh, Different schools will probably start shortly after Labor Day weekend concludes. So we're getting there. And inevitably, most kids... At most schools, especially in the L.A. area, uh, as I know is true with a lot of my clients, they have summer reading assignments. Now, these summer reading assignments are going to have to be done pretty soon. And while some kids may be ahead of the curve, I know a couple of my students have already mentioned to me they're done with their reading. Actually, they finished it a while ago. Others may not be in that situation and may still have a ways to go. And that can be a stressful thing, especially when we get down to the week before and so on and so forth. You have to cram a lot of things in, can be uncomfortable. So what today, today what we're talking about is we're talking about tips to help get your kids moving on their summer reading assignments so they can get them done at a comfortable pace. Still three weeks left, plenty of time. Well, plenty of time as long as they don't have like 10 books to read or something crazy like that. But it's still lots of time where they can use, most of them can do it at a relatively comfortable pace. It's funny, I had one of my students recently tell me that last summer they didn't do any of their reading for the, for the summer at whatsoever. And then it came down to, I think, like a day or two days before the school year started, and they had all this reading to do. They were freaking out. So they just sat under a table, very, and stressed out, but sat under a table and just plowed through all of their summer reading in, in like a day or two, something crazy like that. And they said it was so uncomfortable and so difficult to do that, that they said they're never going to do that again. And I think they've been done with their summer reading for already since the middle of July, which is pretty funny. Sometimes these lessons, sometimes going through these painful experiences, is the best learning lesson, uh, not saying that you should have your kids do that, but it's just kind of a, a funny, interesting insight. Okay. So I came across this really cool article on celebrations.com. They offer some great tips. So I'm going to share these tips along with my own insights mingled in there. So first, create a tranquil reading space. Uh, okay, so have you ever tried to read in, in a noisy, crowded room? Reading comprehension is severely compromised when students have to strain to concentrate. Ensure your child has a quiet space in which to delve into the magical world of books. A cozy window seat away from siblings and TV, a space behind a closed door, even a quiet shady spot in the backyard are all options. It's a simple yet necessary part of good reading. I also think it's important to be comfortable. I mean, of course, a bedroom can can do the trick, 
if you need to do some reading, I'd just be a little careful if there's a computer or iPad or even TV accessible in the bedroom. That could be a problematic distraction. You know what would be really cool is, in fact, I mean, I love the idea of reading outside. I love to read outside when I'm on vacation. I can read by a pool or the water. It's very relaxing. Maybe set up something. I mean, it's summer. It's warm out no matter where you live. Set up something in the backyard. Maybe a hammock if you have one. That would be incredible. Something like that where it's comfortable, it's peaceful, and you can really fall into that world with a lot of quietness around so you don't get distracted. Okay, next. Get get kids thinking. Before jumping in, have a book discussion. Let the child describe what he or she might already know about the subject material. Next, have the child note all the things he or she wants to know about the subject. Previewing the cover, table of contents, and the book reviews will help pique his or her interest with this. Finally, at the conclusion of the book, have your child discuss what he or she has learned. I think that's great too. I think it's great to get involved, get your kids engaged, talk about the book, Maybe look some things up about the book. See if you can get a general roadmap. It's it's interesting when we when I often coach kids who are going into law school. What will what we often recommend is before you read a case is to go in and look where does it fall in the table of contents. Why is this case here? What is its purpose? What is it adding to as far as the other common law that's that's preceded it and what and also how does it add to whatever comes after it. And the idea is, if you can figure out generally what is this about, where is it going, without giving away the ending or, or things like that, it can be, it's a lot more fun to read. You have a little bit more direction. Now, this could be somewhat preferential. Some kids might like to just read without knowing anything. Fine, if that's the case. But I think generally it helps to have a little bit of guidance and direction and orientation as you begin the reading journey. Okay, next, buddy read. Some kids need that extra push to get through a chapter or even a page. Reading aloud with a partner helps to facilitate the reading process as well as helps improve reading, decoding, and fluency. Partners can take turns reading pages or chapters and can discuss what they read for deeper understanding. I mean, I would say that reading independently is a pretty important skill, but if you are finding it very difficult to get your kid to get through whatever they have to get through, fine. Maybe find another child or friend that's also struggling, sit down, read it aloud together, plow through it. I mean, it's it's always going to be much easier when you're doing something difficult to have a, a teammate, to have a buddy. Great suggestion. All right, next, create an incentive chart. What kid doesn't like to be rewarded for doing something good? An incentive chart can help kids stay motivated and on task help kids devise a list of rewards for reaching certain goals. Similar rewards such as free time or computer time can be given out when smaller milestones are achieved, such as finishing a set number of pages, while larger rewards such as a trip to the movies or ice cream shop can be reserved for completing the book. Some people might not like this tip because... Usually, for example, I know a lot of educators that are very pro-intrinsic motivation, and I am too. The problem arises when, let's say, a book is assigned that you're just your child's just not excited about, and that's going to happen. 
Sometimes their interests will align with the school reading. Sometimes it won't. So what are you going to do? And I mean, that's the issue with, I mean, it is, it is a, it is, can be problematic. You want to have all the kids read the same book so they can discuss it, but it's not going to intrigue everybody in the same way. In this case, I don't see a problem with having some intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation, if it means that the work will actually get done and the experience will be had. So I'm actually fine with this. You want to create an incentive chart. I think it's, I think it's a fine idea. Just see, depending on how you, what your kid needs, you can make the decision. Learn about the author. This is again in line with what we discussed earlier about getting a general uh, roadmap of the book or understanding what the book is about. These days, you'd be hard-pressed to find an author without a web page. A visit to an author site can help increase interest level in the book and may provide additional insight into characters and plot. All right. Next, make the story come alive. Books don't have to be one-dimensional. Many books, many book settings are places that can be traveled to or researched. Bolster your child's understanding and interest in a book by having him or her learn about where the story takes place. Maps, websites, travel brochures, and videos are all good resources. I mean, this is all, it's all along the same lines. It's all great suggestions because it's just ways to get you more involved, engaged, what's going on in this story. As it becomes more tangible, then I think it becomes potentially, hopefully more fun and also feel more doable. Okay, Reader's Theater. I think this would be a great suggestion, by the way, in particular, if your child likes to be theatric, likes to act, likes to play things out. I have a lot of students who fall in this category. Students entering the grade level, the same grade level are all required to read the same prescribed reading list. So why not invite some classmates over to have a reader's theater? Kids can have a blast making props and costumes for their favorite scenes and then acting them out. Okay, so... Cool. Hey, if that's something that's going to get them involved, excite them, same thing. Go for it. Audiobooks. Many books are now available in audio format, some of which are narrated by famous actors. Here's a feather in your cap, moms and dads. Kids can no longer use the excuses that there's no time to read. Just insert the CD and kids can listen to their required reading while eating breakfast, taking a long car ride, or lounging on the beach. Okay, I got to say two things on this. I listen to audiobooks anytime I have to drive a long distance. Like I may be driving this weekend a long distance, four or five hours in the car. It's time that is otherwise wasted. Why not? Especially when I'm driving in particular. But some people can't read in a car. It hurts, you know, it gives me a headache. So put up an audiobook, you can still get great information. Only caveat is when you're not actually reading, you're not developing the skill of reading. So that's my only concern is every time you have a book, unless you have a, a learning difference that makes it difficult to read. I know I have some students that do or fall in that category and that's fine. But otherwise, I do think it's important to flex those muscles because every time you read something, you're getting a little bit better at reading. So just bear that in mind. But that is a fine last ditch effort if if you're running out of time and you just they just don't want to read fine. Audiobook is an option. Don't wait until the last minute. 
It seems self-explanatory, yet many families find themselves in this position every summer. The I'll get into it tomorrow mentality is a sure way to derail any plans of completing a summer reading list. So again, now we're getting close to the end of the summer. It is what it is. But if you need to three, three, four, three, four weeks, whatever we got left, that's still plenty of time. Plenty of time to do it at a reasonably comfortable pace, even a couple hours a day, depending on the size of the reading list, should still be enough. Hopefully most camps have concluded. I know most of my kids are now in their last stretch. They're not doing too much. They're relaxing with family. Should be no problem. And finally, get involved. While it's true the summer reading list belongs to your child, keep in mind, he or she is still a child. Kids need reminders to get started, prompts to keep going, and a pat on the back when they're all done. I would even encourage parents to read along with their kids. Why not? If the books are usually, hopefully, going to be pretty fun, you know, or educational, interesting to a certain degree, why not read along with your kids and you can flex those muscles along with them? All right. Hopefully that was helpful. If you are struggling to get your kids to get that reading list tackled, take some notes, try some of these that you think will work for your child in particular and see what happens. If you guys want to check out this article that I've been reading from, you can go to the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com. Everything is in there. You can find a link to the article. If you have any questions or comments for me, please email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. would love to hear from you. And if you haven't done so yet, please make sure and subscribe to the podcast. Got lots of great content still coming your way for the rest of the summer. And that's it. So thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Give me that skin